0: Welcome to VC Land, a podcast featuring leading VCs and investors who take us through their investment strategies, portfolio companies, what they like to look for in founders, sectors that are hot, what makes them finally invest, strategies for exit, whether companies should stay private or public, and tips and tactics for companies looking to work with VCs. Welcome to VC Land. Today, we're featuring SeedSpace, and I'm very pleased to say that we're joined from Switzerland by the founder and managing partner of SeedSpace, Dirk Stella. Dirk, welcome to VC Land. Hello, Justin. Great to be with you. Okay, let's get started. Tell us about SeedSpace and all about the fund.
1: With pleasure, uh, so Seedspace is an early-stage fintech-focused venture capital firm, um, which means that um, we invest uh, purely in the in the fintech sector um, and uh, specifically focus on seed stage and Series A companies, uh, which is quite a bit um, earlier than than most uh, venture capital firms. Um, we, we specifically target that area because we saw um, a, a lack of funding, really, uh, and, uh, and there's so many fantastic companies that are coming out of accelerator programs and, and, and other sort of incubation areas that um, we felt that was a, a, a really um, excellent section of the market to focus on.
0: Yeah, I like it. So, so the specialty then is fintech?
1: absolutely yes fintech um within the the broad parameters of fintech um you know fintech is is uh, a fairly broad area uh, it can be anything yes. from from marketplaces um to uh products that um, assist financial services uh, companies with uh, with their with their operations. It can be uh, blockchain-based technology. It can be artificial intelligence-based uh, technology. So there's a whole range of different things that can fit under the umbrella of fintech.
0: And how long has it been going for?
1: We launched uh, formally in 2018, um, but spent uh, probably somewhere between two years and. Eighteen months and two years um, doing due diligence on, on the sector. Um, myself and and the original partners um, have all worked together on various different um, projects over the years um, in relation to, to typical uh, financial services, um, okay. yep. building equities portfolios and 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 um, trading in global markets. These sorts of things, uh, and we saw. Uh, Really, what we felt as um, uh, an industry ripe for disruption in in financial yes. services uh, you know um, we 've seen technology take such a leading role in a whole range of of different industries uh, and it changes the whole dynamic of the industry and we saw that financial services hadn 't yet undergone that that significant sort of watershed change. In embracing technology and changing the way that it does business, uh, and felt that that was something that was going to happen uh, over the over the next ten years. I mean, this is already several years ago, um, and and certainly what we foresaw um, at that time uh, is definitely coming into play. And uh, the um, the current situation with the lockdowns and and social distancing, etc., um, has, has even accelerated that that move towards um, a digitization of our interaction with money.
0: So tell us more about how you came to be running a, a VC firm. Clearly, you've got a, you've got a background in uh, financial services um, and the markets. Uh, what, what is it that you were doing professionally before you actually started SeedSpace?
1: So I've I've done many different things. I will worked in many different organizations, um, doing more or less similar things, in fact. So um, I've had a career essentially building financial systems, um, whether it be financial systems for uh reporting to, to governance bodies, um, whether it be building uh enterprise resource planning uh, uh systems for, for large organizations. Uh, but also um, focused on on developing uh, trading platforms for for equities markets, um, and so all of those things uh, led me to a, a, a I guess an interaction between technology and, and finance um, and mm-hmm. uh, the Australian market. Uh, so. Perhaps taking a step back in in two thousand and sixteen and seventeen, I was working with an Australian group helping them build um, some equities portfolio trading uh, models yes. um, and and a lot of the portfolio, as many portfolios are in Australia um, was heavily weighted to financial services okay. um, we We see financial services makes up a significant part of the index in, in Australia. Um, And we saw that as a significant risk um, and identified that as a risk uh, and wanted to do due diligence on, on, you know, what potential shocks could could occur um, in that market segment. Um, uh, Previous to to that work in Australia, I'd spent quite a lot of time in Europe um, and had watched what was at the time, I guess, the budding fintech industry, particularly in the UK, um, and, you know, the UK is, I think, ahead of anywhere else in the world in terms of its evolution in in fintech or financial technology integrating its way into financial services. Uh, yes. And having seen that from Europe, felt that, you know, that was something that was definitely going to take place in Australia, perhaps several years later, but that it was definitely coming And with, with those two backdrops. Um, Myself and Will Lawson and Tobias Snow, the the three uh, original partners of of Seedspace, mm-hmm. um, uh, embarked on a due diligence process of understanding, you know, who are the fintech actors in Australia, um, uh, what are the the different VCs operating in in the market, um, where where we see weaknesses and strengths in the market. Um, and the culmination of that due diligence was that, um, yes, we saw very significant risks um, to uh, the the incumbent financial services providers in Australia, um, that um, the fintech industry, um, although in its infancy, uh, was progressing well. Yes. Um, and, and were introduced through that sort of 18-month period to a whole heap of you know, fantastic young companies coming out of accelerator programs um, and and working within the Australian hubs. Uh, And so we came to the conclusion that, you know, fintech was something that was definitely going to grow uh, and that the the potential risks that we saw to the, the incumbent financial services providers were indeed validated. Uh, and, yeah okay. and so, from that backdrop, we decided that yes, we felt um, not only should we be looking to to assist uh, the people we were working with to to start to divest out of the the um, the incumbent financial services uh, companies in Australia, um, but that we should also try to uh, launch a product that invests directly into fintech. So um, reducing risk on one side and, and, and increasing uh, investment in, in the disruptors on the other side.
0: So with that in mind, can you talk us through the various different businesses that you have in the current portfolio?
1: With pleasure. Um, as I said, we focus on early stage and fintech. And within Mm -hmm. those broad parameters, um, there's what I see anyway as a a huge scope still to invest in a diverse range of of businesses. So, for example, um, we've invested in uh, a a digital superannuation provider focused on Australian women. Um, we, We feel very strongly about also investing in purpose-driven organizations. So Fairvine Super um, is a great example of, of where we saw um, a business focusing on um, Australian women who generally are um, under-invested in superannuation um, yes. and, and a product deli- sort of specifically trying to assist uh, Australian women in... in um, Improving their retirement savings um, was was something very meaningful, and they have a fantastic digital um, interface and are doing a lot of really innovative things so that was that's a something we're really proud to be in um, uh, we're also invested in things we're using artificial intelligence technology uh, nod for example is a, yes. a company that builds um, uh, complex, it's a complex document generator uh, is probably the best way to, to describe it. Um, <laughs> yes. it's, arti- it's artificial intelligence that you can plug into your, um, your uh, a CRM. It reads all the documents that you've written before. Um, and, and then you as the, as the user, um, uh, Fill in several parameters, and essentially um, the the artificial intelligence writes your documents for you. It's quite amazing how quickly and accurately. Yeah. Okay. Sounds great. Um, um, I also mentioned before. Um. We we like platforms. We we see um, the future um, focusing more and more on peer to peer. Style interactions um, and intermediaries between peers, um, so platforms or marketplaces we see have have real promise in the future. So mm-hmm. uh, we have a couple of those. Uh, Stropro um, is a platform for um, investing in structured products. Uh, structured products are uh, essentially investment uh, products created by um large uh, global investment banks that focus on tracking indices to particular stocks or so there's a whole range of different products that can be created um in order to provide high yield and, and low risk um it's it's an alternative to direct equities investing or an alternative to investing in fixed income products. It's a hybrid of, of many things and they're not very well known in the Australian market, but um, in, in other markets globally um, make up somewhere between, you know, one and three percent of total investment portfolios uh, and in Australia, they're virtually unknown um, yeah, to yeah. typical wholesale investor. Uh, and Stropro is a platform um, that uh, can provide uh, access to structured products for um, Australian wholesale clients. Um, it doesn't. When I say wholesale, I'm talking about sophisticated investors. So anybody who meets the um, the sophisticated the investment criteria, set, yeah. which is, which is is not very strict, um, it allows anyone with with you know a reasonable sized portfolio. Um, anything north of several million dollars, you're able to invest in 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 um, sophisticated products, uh, and so StroPro um, have a uh, a platform that uh, not only provides access to these clients um but uh is is presented in a a very user-friendly way and that hadn't existed anywhere in the australian market before either so it's it's again it's a product that's filling a gap in the market um with very little competition and that's something that we look for also is to ensure that the companies that we invest in are solving real market problems Um, and are entering a market where there's little competition um, or they have a head start on the the other competition. Another company that we have um, that's a marketplace and, again, a very purpose-driven company uh, called Provider Choice. Um, Yes. They provide a marketplace for the NDIS um, recipients and NDIS providers, so uh, anyone receiving... Um, disability payments from the the NDIS, the government NDIS uh, program, are, are are able to to manage it through the Provider Choice platform. Um, mm-hmm. Again, there was no platforms that existed um, until Provider Choice entered the market, um, and uh, NDIS payments are expected to be um you know north of uh, 20 billion um it's in the, billions, the yeah yes exactly it, it's a, it's a massive massive market um and so you know they're they're out ahead of of other competition um and have a have a fantastic platform um another uh, business we have um is a, a malaysian based uh, e-wallet, and e-money provider. Um, again, um, relatively purpose-driven. Um, in in Southeast Asia, um, there's a huge unbanked or underbanked population, people who don't have a bank account or haven't been able to traditionally get a bank account. Um, and mobile first providers like MyMy um, are, are able to access those people who, who would like to have a bank account but you know don't have a bank close by or or traditional banks um may not have accepted them. Um so you know that's another product where we see huge potential for customer growth in, in Southeast Asia um and and also very purpose driven. So they're just a couple of examples of the um of the things we have in in the portfolio. Obviously another one that that um uh, has uh, been in the news recently and we're very proud of is is DOE, the financial wellness platform, um, yep. listed uh, recently and has performed very well since listing. Uh, so great to see um, uh, one of our companies um, up on the ASX.
0: Well, you've certainly got your hands full there. Are you able to make an assessment? Um, I know it's early days on on how the fund is performing.
1: Look, the fund's performing really well. In fact, um, obviously, it's early. Uh, the fund yeah. launched uh, in um, 2019, in May 2019. Um, when I was, previously I said the business launched in 2018, we have um, we have a um, a private fund um, that was invested in by uh, some key the partners and some key investors. Uh, just to to get us started when we were launching the business. And then we launched an ESVCLP. So an ESVCLP is an early stage venture capital limited partnership. It's a bit of a mouthful. Um, What that means is it's part of a government supported scheme to encourage investment in Australian early stage uh, companies. Um, What it means is that you go through a certification process with um the uh, with the Australian federal government and uh, and then following certification the entity becomes tax free uh so any investors into into our ESVCLP fund um receive any profits 100% tax free no capital gains tax no income tax um yep. so it, it it's a fantastic vehicle by which to to deliver um optimum returns to to investors so that launched in um in May 2019 um and and performing very well on on um the the base returns on on the investment we're we're currently up about 40% so it's tracking really well Dirk, tell me how do you go about you and your team assessing
0: the merits of a particular company and a particular deal?
1: So obviously we need to put our specific lens on it. Um, mm. uh, when you When you launch a fund, um, you have uh, an information memorandum that defines exactly what it is you're going to do and how you're going to do it and, and you providing justification to potential investors as to, to how their money is going to be managed. And so that gives us a very defined set of parameters as to what we can invest in and, and how we will invest. So with, with that lens, um, first of all, we need to make sure that it's fintech. We, we only invest in fintech, so we have to define whether an investment is fintech. Um, we, we also, um, have confined ourselves to investing in early stage. So seed through to series A. And what's, what's, what size do you define
0: that as in in, in terms of the size of check?
1: So, uh, I mean, seed and series A can, can vary from company to company, Mm. um, Mm. Our parameters are: we invest um, up to five hundred thousand in a first investment, and up okay. to three million in a follow-on investment. Okay. Uh, so, you know that the size or the proportion of that investment of the total capital raise of, of a company um, may vary. You know, a company may be raising uh, three million at seed. Um, and and we invest our five hundred thousand, or a company may be investing seven hundred thousand at seed, and we invest our five hundred thousand, and it. so it's a, it's a very different um, a, a proportion of the company that you would get for for that investment. Um, yeah. uh, but again, it, it depends very much on the stage of the company and the speed that it's growing, and um, you know whether it's got customers yet or not. Uh, uh as to as to what sort of valuation you would put on a company uh so you know within that that parameters of seed to series a and i guess a good way to describe what is seed um it's a company that already has a minimum viable product um it's got a solid team it's got a a corporate structure that will allow external investors um it uh, we like to see companies that have at least got line of sight to customers. They may not or have to. They don't have to have customers yet, um, but certainly line of sight to customers to know who their customers will be or should be. Um, and and this is sort of the ideal stage for us to to do our first investment.
0: And w- what are some of the things uh, that you look for when you're assessing the suitability of a founder of a business, and or whether it's the founder or the proposed CEO, what when when you're when you're doing the deal, what are you looking for?
1: So founders are critically important um, at the stage we invest in. You're investing in the founders as much as you're investing in the idea and in the business. Um, you know, obviously the business still has to be solving a real market problem. It has to have an addressable market. Um, it, it has to know who its customers are going to be. All of these things have to be there, but you, you also need a strong founding team. Um, so many businesses fail, not because it wasn't a good idea or it didn't have uh, a, a place in the market, it fails because the founding team are not strong enough. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a, I guess, when I, I don't look at a founder, it's the founding team. Um, sometimes there's a lead founder, but what we like to, to, to look for, um, it's a um, an interesting way to, to to define them. You look for a hustler, a hacker, and a hipster. <laughs> I like it. I like it. The hustler is the, um, the, the salesman, the, um, the businessman behind um, driving the business forward. The hacker yeah. is the, the one developing the tech, um, and the hipster is the one that makes the product look cool, um, adding that, that sort of design and, and, um, and flair to it uh so so it's it's an interesting uh way to to sort of uh give them an interesting it's not a, it's game, not a bad motto i like it but it but it it, it works um they they're three really critical pieces to um to an early stage business you need somebody to drive the business forward you need somebody with the technical capability to be able to 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 develop the tech um and you need somebody to be able to to give it that wow factor. Um, to be successful in the market.
0: And what about um, sourcing deal flow for Seed Space? Obviously, you'd be emailed um, different pitch decks and deals all the time. Um, ha- ha- talk us through that process, how that how that occurs and you, how you bring it all together.
1: So one of the critical pieces that we have built um, over the last few years is access to deal flow um it's it's the lifeblood of vc is to be able to have deals coming into your pipeline um that um that not everybody sees um and to do that you have to be integrated in the ecosystem you have to be um involved in the startup hubs where uh, where these things are being incubated, you, you have to be involved in the industry bodies. You have to be known in the market, um, and and through that network, um, we we see um, or get introduced to, to to our deals essentially. And you know we're we're seeing a lot of deals. We for the relatively short time we've we've been in the market, um, we've got fantastic deal flow. We see around about sixty deals a month. Um, mm. A third of those we we cut because we define them as not being fintech. Um, yes. Another third we cut uh, because uh, we feel they're either too early for us to invest in or too late for us to invest in. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, yeah. and, and the remaining third, uh, about 10, um, then go into a more d- detailed due diligence process.
0: And what what do you do there? How do you sort of rip it all to bits? You've, you've mentioned a few of those things like, you know, the addressable market, the opportunity, the founding team. What are some of the other things you look
1: for? Yeah, so um, as you just mentioned, solving a real market problem, uh, looking for a strong team, you have to have a strong team. It has to have a large addressable market. So not only solving a market problem, but solving a market problem where they're, are a lot of customers, um, yes, or yes. or it's a significant a significant issue to a significant number of people, um, or mm-hmm. business. Um, uh, we also look that they have a head start on competitors, either no competitors in in the market space as yet, um, or or that they have something that significantly differentiates them from from competitors. Um, we like to look for for teams uh, that have got experience in the market segment. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be the founder. It could be advisors and other other members that uh, of, of, of a board um, or an advisory panel that the um, that the founding team have, have pulled together. Uh, that uh, we like to look for solid financial forecasts that uh, they don't just think it's a good idea that they've actually done their due diligence on the market segment um and and have been able to forecast uh how the business is going to grow and, and 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 how it's going to perform um and also to to be sure uh, of the uh, the actual or target customers um fortunately for us our team uh is is very experienced in financial markets globally um, and, and in Australia, um, a, as well as having very deep tech experience and, and a good crossover yep. between tech and, and, and finance. Uh, so, you know, the majority of companies that we look at, um, we already know um, how that market segment works, um, who would be the customers, what are the pain points in that market segment, um, and it allows us to to, to identify... Yes, there would be customers, and hopefully, this business is already talking to to, to those customers. Um, but you know, it, it may not may be that they're not talking to those customers yet, and we see that as something we can bring to the business. And
0: I'm interested, Dirk, in your thoughts on COVID. Uh, the whole world basically shut down uh, in March this year. Uh, how has that affected both uh, your business? Um, but the VC market, um, both in Australia and internationally?
1: So COVID has been interesting because, um, you know, the world didn't shut down. We just stayed at home. Lots of business had to shut down and it, it's terrible for those um, in in uh, market segments where they did actually completely have to close. Um, but people still had to eat. People still had to wear clothes. People still had to pay their bills there were there were so many things that people still had to do um and you know as a species we're in we're able to adapt um and and we did adapt to that new that new norm um of of not going to the bank but going online to do our banking um of not going to the shop to buy uh, whatever it is we need but going online to buy those things um and so this has driven a a well, let's say it's increased the pace of change um, in in the digitization of, of of financial services and and e-commerce, uh, and uh, that has has actually been a tailwind for for fintech. Um, the back end of e-commerce um, is driven by fintechs, um, payments companies, and the like, um, uh, online banking um and and alternatives to to banking from traditional banks um is is heavily influenced um by fintechs and so you know we we see this era of um being more isolated and and doing things more remotely and more electronically um has as as sort of um I, I guess given a turbo boost to the changes that we already expected to happen, um, mm. this evolution um, in in a more digital interaction with money, um, and and we've seen I think a step change in that. There's already data being released showing you know the percentage increase in people um who had never used online banking before moving to online banking the significant increase in in e-commerce um and these trends are things that are unlikely to reverse um yeah. there, there'll be some people who will go back uh, to the way they did things before but most won't uh and so you know this this is is a new norm um uh, uh and and of of extreme benefit to 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 the fintech industry
0: okay so if you're a startup founder and you're looking for early stage money uh potentially it's um in the sweet spot of seed space what is your advice to those founders about the best way to get in contact with Vcs um, that might be suitable?
1: sure so obviously um before you talk to a vc or any investor um make sure you know your stuff um, make sure you know your business you know um what market segment you're targeting and why what problem you're solving all those things that, that i described before um, if you haven't got a group of advisors maybe you sh- maybe it's a good time to start looking for some um, to see you know who who might be able to be in your corner with you when you when you go to to, to look for money um, but not only looking for money but to be there to support you as your business grows also um, so have you, have your ducks in line um, know your business know why you uh, you think your you, your business deserves to to be invested in by by professional investors. Um, but once once you've got all that organized, um, it's important to get a warm introduction. Okay. Um, we're much more likely to uh, spend time with companies if they're referred to us by somebody we know and trust. Um, uh, it's It's not that hard to get to get an introduction um, if you're uh, in a startup hub or you're involved in in other other areas where where startups are being incubated um, most of these places have relationships with VC firms uh, and 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 you know will be able to help you with uh, with an introduction. <laughs>
0: Well, that's fantastic advice, Dirk. We are out of time today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you this afternoon. Uh, all the way from Switzerland, Dirk Stiller, founder and managing partner of early stage venture fund Seed Space. Thank you so much for joining us on VC
1: Land today. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Justin. Thank you very much. <music>